Hold on a minute. Don't you think we ought to talk? What, about how I'm gonna run? Sure. About how you've managed to live as long as you have. Think he can drive? Oh, he can drive. He can drive beyond the limits of the tires, the engine, the car, anything else. There's nothing I can't do with a race car. <laughs> well, that's the difference between you and me. There's only so much I can do. You want me to work the pit and you drive? race with my legs broke, heart bruised, eyes popping out of my head like they're on springs. You get back in that car, you'll die. And welcome back to the Film Realcast, where we are going to get some gentlemen, probably not Stu and I, to start some engines as we are looking at the 1990s Top Gun with cars, or is it? We're going to answer that question. Also, we're going to answer Top Gun Kelly McGillis or Days of Thunder Nicole Kidman. Stu, how's oh, it going? Not bad, mate. Not bad. What a good question to start with. I never thought of I that. I know. I know. Who is, who is it? Who is it? Who would you take to a cinema and a harvester? It would be, um, be Nicole Kidman, drop of a hat. She's, my, she's been my favourite for a long time. You can ask my wife. Anything Nicole Kidman's in, I'll watch. I, 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 she's... Dangerously, amazingly attractive. I cannot. I completely agree with you, but not in like an obvious way, not in like a Hollywood way, but but, but no. she still is, if that makes sense, you know. Oh, she's um, just stunning. She's brilliant, and she's she's so good as well. It, obviously, she is incredibly good looking, but she's a really good actress, and yeah, her career yeah. has just blossomed. Her acting ability has just blossomed, and yeah, it, it's weird. Do you know, it's weird to see both these two together and i thought that in eyes wide shut especially when they were romantically involved um mm. it, it's just strange to see them together i don't know it's just it's kind of a shame you know what i mean but it's just that's yeah my weird what, what could have been what could have been exactly yeah, you had this you had eyes wide shut and then you had and in the in between in between you had far and away didn't you which I thought was far away it. yeah that's right mm. i've never I've, you know i've never seen far and away it, it just seems too soppy for me so it's just no one's got superpowers oh, you know explosions and shit like that. the list oh god i don't know i don't know but this is your choice though mate isn't it so tell me why well, did you choose yes. this apart from it's available on sky <laughs> it is available yeah it's it available on, unfortunately on sky nothing else but um, i i love i love this film i really like it i thought okay i haven't seen it for a while what am i going to think about it um and you've got the Formula One season coming up, starting in, a, in about a week on Sunday, as we record this. Um, mm. Gran Turismo 7 has just came out. The motorsport season in itself is starting. You, you know, you've got your touring cars, the Indy cars already started, rallies already started. And I, and, I, and I figured this is probably the only the second actual motorsport movie we have reviewed after Rush. And I thought, why not? Why not? It's been a while. It's been a number of years since we reviewed Rush um, yeah. with Chris Hemsworth and um, I think Daniel Brawl, which we thoroughly enjoyed. And this is, this is not based on a true story, complete fiction, but, and 1990s. Um, yeah. What could go wrong? Let's find out, I guess, you. Uh, it's weird. Cause I mean, do you still do your um, motorsports podcast? No, I don't do it as much anymore. No, no, no. Annoyingly, annoying. Well, works working and then too many children well two children but children keep me busy 
Unfortunately, yeah, I you're a fanatic, aren't games. you, about Formula One and things like I that? You absolutely Formula love one. it, don't you? I do love it. I do love it. It's the only reason I have Sky and, and get basically pillaged by them every month um, in, so, down the bank. NASCAR, were you ever a fan? Have you watched NASCAR then? Funny enough, I probably played more NASCAR racing games early on in, like when I got to Formula One than I did Formula One. Um, it is... I mean, people just say it is about going left. Yes, yes, haha, funny joke, kind of like IndyCar. But the film has it right where you can go pedal to the metal and pull away, but at some point your tyres are going to go. So you have to preserve your tyres, you have to preserve your pet, your, your petrol. Sometimes it, it's a risk when you pit if there's no safety car because you could end up a lap down. There's all these little um, intricacies to it that people don't, don't really realise. And what is nice is this film sort of does, at a, at a base level, you know, pick pick it up and really bring the audience to it, um, which, yeah. which I thought which I thought was brilliant. Because I mean, I mean, I think anyone can watch it and have a basic understanding of, of what NASCAR is come the end of the film. Yeah, because this was huge, really, wasn't it? This was mm-hmm. a massive kind of uh, eye opener for like the NASCAR stock car world, and it got massive support. And when you look at the adverts, um, the sponsorship, and they were promoting this so much, and it did gauge huge interest and. And as we we both kind of watched the the making the behind the scenes of this, um, which was led by um, Jerry Brockheimer and Don Simpson, um, and obviously Tony Scott as well. The watching the making of things, and we're so lucky now with YouTube that you can just do a random search and bang, it's there, just like this film was, which I never thought we'd find it. And it was so interesting that of that they literally went but kind of on race days and filmed and just said ignore us we're going to film we're going to join in and they did the first like was it 40 laps or it was 100... I think, or even 100 i think wasn't it yeah yeah it was like 100 miles or something they did racing um at the back of these tracks with these other races and all of the cars had to be to the same level specification as all of the cars racing that they didn't allow them to to cut any corners just because that they were filming and it was Tom Cruise and it was um, Tony Scott and they were with these crews and they followed them around to learn the language um, of the way they talk and about incidents and you just don't think that all you think this is going to be a Tony Scott film like Brockheimer and Simpson and that is it and there's going to be fuck all investment into what actually <laughs> happens but th- th- it was interesting to see just how much they did and again the cameras on the dashboard the even the words and the that the script was stuck to the dashboard, and you just don't think that, do you? They they really kind of like took it to an extreme, didn't they? Yeah, no, 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 exactly. And, and if you're going to do something properly and and respect it, I think that that's the way to go. This is this is the way to go. Just as I, I imagine they did in Top Gun, albeit I think that's one we need to do at some point, isn't it? But albeit with with Top Gun, I, yeah, they, they did all the research you know into into you know migs f-14s obviously aircraft carriers some of some of the lingo top gun is a real thing um it's and and um they did they did it for this and and i i think this it's akin to um you know like the uh, jack reacher series have you seen that yeah. yet on amazon as an example they've stuck very close albeit not completely to the book um yes. i know you don't like it harry potter the lord of the rings trilogy they stuck as close as they could to the books because they respected their material i think when you do that it's almost like book it and um, you, you know uh, um, build it and make, and make them come fulfill their dreams 
you do it properly, the people will come and the people will come and watch it. And I think you have a hit. I think when you disrespect it, the the, the hardcore fans don't watch it, and you, and you don't make a. And I don't think you ultimately make a good film. And this is, I think, a really good patent on how to respect that. If that yeah. makes any sense, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, the uh, in the budget did start off at thirty million, then it went up to sixty million, and in the end, it made 157 million worldwide. Um, obviously, there's video higher on there and stuff like that. So it was a, a hit. Um, but I don't think it's become a cult classic, has it, this film at all? No, I don't think. I think outside, within NASCAR, it probably has. Um, but yeah, outside of, of that, I don't think you, yeah, I don't think you could give it cult classic status. Uh, but, but what is interesting, it was. I, mean, I, I admit, I put my hand up. When I watched it, it was probably better than I remember, better than I even maybe gave it credit for when I chose it. I thought, okay, let's do it. And yeah, I I really, I watched it a couple of times. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And it, Did and you it watch it and then watch the making and then watch yes. it again? Yes. And and this, and it it yeah, improves it, different. doesn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it does. Because I also think... Um, Albeit, yeah, it's only twenty minutes to make it. Also, if anyone wants to watch it, it's on it's on YouTube. But it, it gives you more respect, I think, for how how the film how the film was shot. It doesn't take away any of the magic either. You, you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, they, they must have been doing this when they shot that. And I thought it was really really interesting. Yeah, completely. And they've got some real big hitters here. I mean, you've got Hans Zimmer who does the music and the story that getting Hans Zimmer out there and to to talk to him about it and then virtually kidnapping him. Yes, they put that hook out of a couple of bars and this is the way we want to go. And he took that bait and then he had to buy new clothes because he didn't bring any clothes out there. It was meant to be just a a short meeting. And then he stayed out there and did the whole script. And also the fact that they were, to a certain degree, making this up as they were going along. They changed Mm. direction. They were editing it that night and it had to be. And even when the film was finished, they realised that. They hadn't unbelievably yes. shot the scene when cars crossed the finishing no, line. No, I know. What, a, <laughs> what an oversight. I mean, how shit is that? It's You've unbelievable, a film, isn't it? Your main scene. What you, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it just doesn't it just, it just doesn't happen, does it? Um, no, it's classic. It really is. But I mean, the cast, obviously, you've got Tom um, Cruise's Cold Trickle, Robert Duvall's, um Harry Hodge. I've got a um, question for you. Because you, mentioned, because you mentioned those two, right? Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people have suggested that Robert Duvall steals this film, not in a bad way, over Tom Cruise, because he's because he's such a good actor in every scene he's in. Well, what I, I, I wanted to get your, I think that's for me. I think he does in the in in you just believe him completely that he's this engineer. He plays it, I think, so 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 well. Um, I, I, I think, but he does, yeah. Uh, I think he does to a certain degree um, because he's based upon loosely based upon an actual character, isn't he? I can't remember his name. Mm. Um, But I I think it's because Tom Cruise plays the same kind of character that he played in a lot of films like The Colour of Money and Top Gun. um, Films like that. So you're kind of used to him. But Robert Duvall does things. It appears in a very lazy way. He's always a really likable character, but he's such a strong presence on the screen. Even if he's just trying to be in the background, he's just he's an amazing actor. Absolutely incredible. But I, I completely agree, mate. I think he does um, steal this. I think he's so yeah. likable. But Nicole Kidman, 
um, oh. plays Dr. Claire Lewicki. Uh, Randy Quaid, who plays Tim um, D- uh, Dallard. And you've got uh, Carrie, I can never pronounce his surname. I don't know, Corey, uh, uh, Carrie Elwes, I don't know. Something like that, who plays Russ Wheeler, who's like the rookie rival. Um, and also in Saw as well, which I yep. just couldn't get in out of my Saw, mind. Um, Princess Bride. Uh, that's it, Princess uh, Bride as well. as well. Yes. Yeah, it's really weird. When you see him, you can think, yeah, that's. I, I know your face. Well, Michael yeah. Rooker, really, really underrated Michael Rooker. I mean, yeah, he's probably known more to a certain generation from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Being, I think it's Rondu, isn't it, from Guardians of the Galaxy. Plays yeah. Rowdy Burns. Um, and you've got Fred Thompson, who plays uh, Big John. Yeah, and, and John C. Riley. And John C. Riley, yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, it's really early days of John C. Riley. He plays a Buck Rever- Breverton, um, whose father died in a crash. And for those who don't know this story, who haven't seen this film, because I, I don't know whether it being a car film that it'll appeal to everyone... It's coming up a successful open wheels career. Cole Trickle um, is recruited by used car salesman um, Tim Dillon to be a driver in the NASCAR Cup Series. After proving his talent, he is paired with the legendary um, former crew chief Harry Hoggy. Um, through an anxious rookie debut, a lack of chemistry, Cole finds um, other success and he has a basic car crash, um, which is a major part of this film, which is a comical part as well. But yes. Trickle, from the car crash, um, builds a bond with Rowdy Burns, who's a two-time champion, um, great in his own team to take on the Daytona 500, which is his dream victory to win. And really, that is the meat of this film. So, and we'll be spoiling this film as per usual. But it's it, it's a very simple film to follow, this one. And yep. I watched it. Like you, first of all, I just watched it out of the box, didn't watch the making of. Um, then I watched the making and I appreciated it more. And it was a better experience, to be honest, oh, which good. is which is kind of strange, really, because I, I think you appreciate a hell of a lot more that they do to get such a simple shot, um, even from driving the cars that they especially when you speak to that, um, the guy who plays Russ Wheeler, the, like the rival when they were saying, right, you need to drive the car at 180 miles an hour, and then once you're driving, flick a switch, turn this camera on, then flick oh another God. switch and turn another camera on. I know. And he was like, I'm terrified, I'm taking my hands, drive with your knees at that speed yeah. to turn the cameras on. And you just never think that they, these actors no. are wrapped up in cotton wool, told to do such things, that it's absolutely priceless. I love stories like that. It, it's it, so, it, so good. It is. And I think they're getting a few and far between now because a lot of that they've got, oh, let's CGI it now. And I think even as good as CGI is, I still think you can tell most of the time, especially something like this, and it takes that magic away. And the fact that they've done it practical, um, because they had to in 1990, you you do this film now and I think it would have lost potentially a lot of the magic had they used CGI. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. And the start of this film, it, it's really nice. The introduction with Randy Quaid and uh, Robert Duval is it, it's totally unexpected. Duval's on a farm driving a tractor and he's approached by Quaid, who says, I've got this guy who's really good. And it took me a while when he was talking about open wheels that it was like the Formula One car. That's what I took. Yeah, like Indy cars, yeah. Indy cars, yeah. Um, and that he's obviously wants to um, create a team with this driver. And it's interesting he points out that this guy's got no experience 
And if he wrecks your car, you can't afford to make another one. And what driver halfway through the season is going to take you up on that offer? Which is a really important fact to actually take into account, isn't it? No, you're right. And no, absolutely true. Yeah. But I think even before that, I love I love the intro, uh, the hands in the music. And it, and it really embeds you into like almost the NASCAR world, doesn't it? By showing you a race. And then it obviously pans pans back to... um. Um, to obviously the farm where 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 we meet Hogue, um, you know where where we meet Robert Duvall's character for the first time, and and as you as you mentioned, they're at the track obviously with Rowdy Burns, and for me, I think this is one of the best, albeit kind of almost campy over the top entrances of of of, of I think our main protagonist in many films. It's it's up there in the top ten, I think. Yeah. The way it you is, see him come for the uh, smoke, it's so cheesy, but it I like is it. brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I, I have to say, I really laughed. Yeah, because you and I love the the chemistry between everyone in the pits. Where you got mm. Randy Quaid, who clearly doesn't really know what he's talking about, and he's a businessman, and then he's talking with um, like Duval and his colleagues about the cars and stuff like that, and he doesn't know. He can't kind of join in. He's left out of the conversation, the, like the personal jokes they've got. And then you've yep. got Michael Rooker turn up. And as I say, he's two-time champion. He's not undefeated and all that other stuff. And he's a proper man, isn't he? I mean, he's such a good actor. Have you, he's really good in um, Henry, the portrait of a serial killer, which is when I first come across him. Okay. And he's a really, really menacing character. And would you say he's the baddie in this? Well, he can't... It switches between him and Rowdy and Rowdy Birds halfway through, doesn't it? Because they he is the baddie in this, definitely at the beginning. And what's nice is through that crisis, they almost share together. They they become almost friends, don't they? Towards towards the towards the end of the film, because they both then they both go on like on a on a, on a journey together. You have got the young pretender, and then you've got obviously the the rainy the rainy champion. Um, go. It would have been interesting to see how that story panned out had it been different, but they had this crash. And but yeah, I completely agree. For the first half of the film, he he is the he is the bad he is the bad guy. I mean, what I like about it is Tom Cruise. He comes in, he's really really arrogant anyway because mm. he puts all he puts his bicycle helmet on the car. And what I love, what what I love is um, Rowdy. Um, he ends up um, sitting on Tom Cruise's sitting on Cold Trickle's bike yeah. as revenge, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, and it's I thought it was an interesting fact of. When he's driving his car around, because he's uh, the reason why he's there is to test drive um, Rowdy Burns's car, Michael Rooker's car. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. So, and he clocks the time quicker. But you, and they're kind of saying that would have got pole position. But and and I like the fact, and I'm pleased they point out that see what you do when the car's full of um, the track's full of other cars, and that's only the time where it counts. Which mm. is so true because how can you gauge? You can't gauge how someone, how good someone is, on an empty track when you've got nothing else there. I mean, I don't really know much about this. Possibly you can, but well, I mean, you can gauge. I think I don't know if they do it anymore. For pole, I think for qualifying, they used to basically have like one or two hot laps on their own. Yeah, I think rather than in Formula One and a lot of other all the cars out on the tracks at a similar time. Um, but then obviously for the race, it's complete. It is completely different because, as you mentioned, Steve, the, all the vehicles are, are made to spec. So they are, in theory, meant to be the same, mm. albeit you can have slightly like different. You can have slightly different setups for them. 
Um, yeah. it's like when you, when, you, when you set a car up, you can think, okay, I'm going to have a bit more downforce. So I'll be slower down the straight a tiny bit, but it's going to protect my tyres because I've got more grip and they won't go off as quick. For example, you know, as opposed to someone saying, I'm going to make my car just go so fast and straight on the now I can catch me, but I've got to make sure my tyres don't go away. Um, yeah. For example, yeah. The, so there's intricacies to that. But yeah, you're right. Um, and it's the racing is obviously a completely different just, just going fast around the track. I think I think we could all hoon it around a track in a car, but actually racing people when you've got to predict what they're doing and getting past them is completely different, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, what impressed me is the speed they go. I never realised that they go around 200 miles an hour. I know. Around they they track. don't look like they can go. Those cars are really bulky, aren't they? And, yeah. They just look like normal cars. They're not like the uh, like the 24-hour Le Mans cars where they're really wide and they're built for downfalls. These just look like normal cars, don't they? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does. It, it just looks like they take they took the local the local Honda, put some kind of like kit, you know body kit on it and thought let's yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was nice that you originally, as you said earlier, when. Um, Tom Cruise, when Cole Trickle gets out the car, that he's he's arrogant and he, he's not giving one word answers. And he says, yeah, I know about this sport from watching it on TV, et cetera, et cetera, yes. which is a real shitty thing to say. But I like the fact that he's slightly humbled. And it's when he turns around and he says to like Robert Duval, look, I'm not going to embarrass you. Let me drive. I won't make a fool out of you. That tunnel turns real tricky. Now, whether it's hot or cold, it gets as slick as a button. Then you're going to slip and slide and slam yourself into the wall before you know it. So just take it easy. Yeah, I thought that was such a really nice line. And it was mm. a moment when one of the only moments that early on in this film where Cole Trickle is being sincere and a genuine person, because a lot of the time it's just bravado. And I think it's the relationship, the chemistry he has with Duval that starts to break down these barriers because it, it does happen later on when they're in the bar, when yes. he makes that shock announcement that he knows nothing about motor racing, the terminology. No. And he, he doesn't understand, as you said earlier, about the more you cane it doesn't mean you're going to win because you're going to smash your tyres. So you've got to preserve your tyres, which means you can race longer and you can win. They say, they say something similar to that races are won and lost on the tyres, don't they? Yes. Yeah. The, the, I mean... They are. I mean, even, even albeit it did end controversial, but even when you look back at last year's F1 championship, um, Max Verstappen passed Lewis Hamilton on that last lap. Whatever way you look at it, whether it's fair or not, because he had he had brand he had brand new tyres, the start and the grippiest tyres, and Hamilton's tyres were 40 like 40 laps old. Um, so say so yeah, 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 you're right. I mean, if you can, if you keep your tyres in good nick as well, you are you are going to win and lose. And it's nice that you mentioned that 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 moment. I mean, it gave me goosebumps watching it again for the first time because I, for me, it's it's almost like a father. It's almost like the beginning of that father-son relationship they kind of have throughout throughout the film, and it it, it develops further, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's you kind of think Tom Cruise is taking this for granted and living on mm-hmm. obviously his natural ability, whereas Duval clearly has natural ability, but he's had to work hard. And he's experienced in success and failure as well. And it means so much to him, uh, possibly at this moment more to him. And again, I like the fact that's reflected in the next scene of when he agrees to build a car. Mm. And you see him on his own back at his farm when he's talking 
to the an empty chassis, an empty frame of the car and about how he's going to build it, how he's going to develop it. And I thought that was such a lovely moment because I could honestly see that happening. Someone, their yeah. car is their baby, isn't it? I'm going to give you an engine, low to the ground, extra big oil panel, cut the wind from underneath you. That'll give you 30 to 40 more horsepower. I'm going to give you a fuel line that will hold an extra gallon of gas. I'm going to shave half an inch off you and shape you like a bullet. And when we get your prime painted and weighed, be ready to go out on that racetrack and what i think is good i know we we sometimes criticize that show don't tell not too much exposition but i think what's really good for the viewer he's telling you how how what he's going to do to the car mm. how it, and, and why and so so even like anyone who doesn't have any knowledge understand kind of like starts to understand a bit more um yeah than they, than they, may, than they may have done and I, and I thought that was really important and a really good scene to um to, to put in yeah, definitely. It's. I mean, I know nothing about cars. I used to love Formula One and go there with my dad. God bless him. Oh, um, to Silverstone. It was amazing, but it was a. Uh, yeah, it was a real insight. It, it was good to know. And and again, they kind of continue this when he takes on that the the rollers driver, that he's just clueless. He's wrecking these yes. cars completely. And I looked in the rule books of NASCAR racing because. It's blatant. They call it rubbing. And there is that line that he uses. Yes. Like he crashed into me. He goes, no, it's rubbing. And rubbing's racing. That's it. But they're blatantly smashing into each other. And you you can't do that. And they do kind of leave it a bit vague where they say due to the speed, due to the cornering and the amount of cars close to, uh, traveling at such close proximity, that contacts will happen. Um, but there's blatant smashing into each other from this. Surely you get disqualified. I think, yeah, I think I think it's how much they kind of like put up with it, don't they? Because these cars, these cars can take it. I mean, as you know, you do that with an F1 car, it's going to fall apart. And I think even sports cars, so they're built, they're built a bit rigid like that. You can have like a bit of a bump, a couple of like almost a mod, a light accident, and still and still race um quite 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 well. But yeah, um I think there is a rule book. I think as with an as you mentioned, as with all films, it was slightly embellished um, to, to to make it more entertaining. But they do that they do that in touring cars as well. Um, in, in in touring cars, even like down at like Brands Hatch down down in Kent, they will nudge each other, especially because sometimes going to a corner to the point where the other one goes just that tiny bit wide, so they can go past. You know, and sometimes they'll get a penalty for it, and sometimes they'll try and get away with it. Okay, I must. I don't really watch touring cars, so I know nothing about that, but. I, I do like the bit where, and I, and I can't remember which track it is. It's a night race. Bristol. Yeah. Yeah, where they he smashes the car up. And I think it's John C. Riley says, look, there's a bit that isn't damaged there. And he boots it. Yeah. Because he's just fucking had enough. I don't want you spoiled, Cruise. he said, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah wrecking these cars. Yeah, because he says to Tom Cruise at one point, hey, go out now. The plan is go hit the pace car. Go hit the safety car. Yeah. And Tom Cruise is like, what? He goes, because you've hit every other thing on this tab track. It would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny, yeah. And, 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 and also, talking about that, there's the bit, because the first few races, he's completely clueless, as you said, isn't it? And you can tell he's not the worst driver out there, but he just doesn't have a clue. And I like the bit with the ice creams when he comes to get the ice cream. They're taking the mick out of him, saying we're eating ice creams. Yeah, 
it's so good. And apparently, I mean, it's half-assed research on the internet, but uh, that actually allegedly happened during no, the No, not even only that. Yeah, oh, wow. it's, uh, I don't, obviously, I don't know the names or anything, but in very similar circumstances, and they took that out of uh, out of this situation. And it's good that it does reach ahead, that the bickering, the lack of knowledge, the uh, the finance, really, that it does call Randy Quaid and Duval and Tom Cruise to have a meeting, that they just cannot go on like this, because they know he's got the ability... And mm. we all know as an audience that Tom Cruise has the ability and it will come around good. But that's when he makes that disclosure that he's not got a fucking clue and of how to drive the cars. And I thought that was an interesting concept to add to the film to a character who's supposedly all knowing that he doesn't understand anything about the setup of a car. It is. I think that works in two levels. It humanizes Tom Cruise a bit more, or maybe three. It builds, as you mentioned, it builds that relationship up. Between between him and Harry, um, yeah, Robert Duvall's character, the engineer, and what it does again, once again, for, I think for the audience, where we have that scene where he's uh, he's being taught how to how to drive a car, you, you know, um, the, 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 the you know on the the, the tires are half uh, with the car weighs twice as much, the tires are half as wide, and once again reiterating the importance of tires, and I think it also brings the audience in there, and once again gives them a slight level of understanding about about what's going on because. I think the thing about car movies, especially motorsport films, you know, it kind of like all, almost American football films as well. Sometimes all sports films in general, it's very easy to lose your, your casual audience where they think, I don't know what's going on. What are the rules? What's going on? And that's one thing I do think this film, as you mentioned, keeps quite a simple story, but it explains what's going on and the, and the mechanics and the rules of NASCAR to a basic point where anyone can follow it. And that's to its credit. Yeah. Yeah. And they put, with interest the the explanation about tires about the car and as you said about mm. the downforce and stuff like that and it, it's not shoved down your throat but it's said in such a way that people who don't follow any motorsports and just watch this possibly because of tom cruise or nicole kidman or even like robert duval that they can get an understanding of why they're doing stuff and it, and it doesn't feel like it's a scene that that's been padded out, you know, which I think is important in a film like this because you could easily get lost. Yes, no, oh yeah, yeah, you could, you could definitely, and and yeah, and for that is such a it's such a nice moment where, where they build it, and then we go on. Obviously, I forget exactly where the next race is, but we go on to to the next race, which ends up becoming, um, you know, like a almost like a mini movie itself in in relation to the fact that obviously this is this is Cole Trickle's first 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 victory, and he's doing really well once again. Rally comes up, Rubbins, you know, Rubbins racing, etc. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just brilliant because, because even in this race, you see nothing quite goes, nothing quite really goes right for him until the end. I mean, he t- he takes the lead, he has, he has, I think, a couple of issues in the pit stops, doesn't he? And then uh, obviously, obviously comes out and um, he's come, he goes into the pits, into the lead, comes out. I think, you know, in fifth, sixth place. And what I thought was funny, you could hear him shouting down the radio still, couldn't you? Um, with, with the shot yeah. of the engineer swearing. Yeah, definitely. Because they, they fail to get his tyre on and it yeah. uh, adds to the suspense. And I'm surprised that he's so far back that he can actually win the race with so few laps left. I mean, that's true. <laughs> it does take some doing. But what I kind of didn't understand and I expected it to go kind of somewhere 
in a way was that you get um, Buck Bretherton, who's uh, obviously John C. Riley. You learn that his dad, Buddy Bretherton, uh, died the, pre- like the year previous when he smashed into a wall. And they said it's a heart attack. Um, at the time, he was being managed um, by Robert Duval. Mm. And there's you kind of pick up easy that there was something quite not right there that due to the accident that he quit, that he retired, um, Duval did before he was investigated. And it, it kind of throughout the film, through speaking to different people, it kind of does and doesn't become apparent that possibly he had carbon monoxide poisoning due to the changes made in the car. And Ooh. he hit the and he, he passed out before he hit the wall. And Duval blames himself. But that story doesn't go anywhere, despite it being mentioned quite a few times, isn't it? It doesn't. Yeah. It's not a, a motivating driver, is it? I don't think. No, no. It, it's almost yeah, because it got mentioned at the beginning. Because the reason he left NASCAR wasn't it because there, yeah. there was going to be an investigation. But he gets in. Randy Randy Craig's character says no, there's not going to be an investigation. And then it's mentioned a couple of times. Once kind of in the middle of the film, and then once again, obviously. To, towards the end it almost i mean i guess this is a negative in a way because although it doesn't affect the film so much it almost feels like there's a couple of missed scenes because we don't as you mentioned we don't really get the full story and at no point do we really i feel anyway do we really get a proper closure on that and it's still left open at the end of the film isn't it yeah i think there there is a lot of things that we don't get closure on there's a lot of things that mm. i think are missing through this film as to why they actually happened but when they're traveling, I, I did like the fact that they did prank Tom Cruise, which does come up oh, yes. later on, which backfires massively. But when they get these the the pretend sheriff, and obviously a stripper, or or they're a prostitute, I really didn't realize. But they must be the best stripper company ever to have two marked police cars, full uniforms, to pull the lorry over, and then she just opens her top of a, a bra and says, "I'll." Oh, um, was it Harry thought you'd like me? Yes. And, uh, was she a prostitute or was she just a stripper? Or what was I she? I don't not know. I, I, it's a grey area there, isn't it? It is, it is really, really a grey area. Um, she could have been a fan, but I doubt it because to get all that to get all that organised would have been very difficult, wouldn't it, Steve? Yeah, I, I don't think I, they I, have I, that character again or that scene again if they they did it, especially when it's the line <laughs> Harry thought you'd like me. It's it's yes, possibly degrading it's, women to just be a piece 20, of meat. Absolutely, yeah. especially when Women's International Day was yesterday at the time of recording. Yes, um, uh, yeah, I don't think they probably wouldn't. They probably wouldn't do that. Do that again, would they? No, <laughs> no. No, I couldn't um, imagine it going down well. But so the next race is where we get the massive crash, and they're yeah. going around and understandably there is a huge crash which i'm surprised they didn't show more of um, in these races throughout and they're told to go high uh, because the car's crashing obviously it's, it's a sloped um track and that they'd be down the bottom and rooker goes through it first and for some mm. unknown reason which isn't explained that his car skids and i uh, i, I, I guess Rickles you crashes into it I, I, the only thing I guessed it would be is because the because the accident happened, um, and, and I think there was still a bit of fire before. Um, it must have been, and it wasn't explained very well. You maybe needed a shot, but it must have been oil or, or fuel coming from one of the cars that was already hit. 
which made him which made him spin. But but it's important that you say that because I kind of like made that up in my head thinking that all they had to do was show literally a half second shot of oil leaking out one of the cars, you know, and, and sliding down, and then you would have gone, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because my initial viewing, that. I thought mm. Rooker did it on purpose. I, I thought he slowed oh, okay. down or he did something yeah. just to stop Tom Cruise from winning the race again. I, I, mm. But he clearly, obviously, it's a side impact. And, I mean, it's an amazing crash. And the fact that these people in real life, in Formula One, yeah, that, um, I know. walk out of these crashes majority of the time, how they do it, I honestly don't know. It is. It, I mean, it is amazing. And I think it's it's good in a way that they, they put this, it is quite an important part of the storyline, but it's nice in a way because it, it once again shows you the danger, the danger of motorsport. And I think motorsport in general, I think the minute you start going 200 miles per hour, well, yeah, it, you, it's never going to be a hundred percent safe, is it? Um, and obviously no. this shows it. Well, you know, I think even in 2022, um, you uh, regrettably, you know, you know, you, we've had recent fatalities within the last few years of motorsport. So yeah, it, it's really sad. Yeah, definitely. And I like it, the fact that we're in the hospital. And as we said earlier, I had that stripper. And yeah. Tom Cruise has just woken up from being drugged up and morphined up. And you've got Nicole Kidman. She's a neurologist. And what made me laugh was that she wanted to study, like, the role of someone who, like, being a doctor, a neurologist, um, for this role, which kind of makes me laugh because... All she's got is a few lines. There's only she's hardly in the hospital whatsoever, but she, no. she felt obviously she wanted to study it, and she was told um, by Jerry Bruckheimer, "Look, just forget about that. That's never yeah. going to happen. You're wasting <laughs> your time." Well, <laughs> I yes. really like that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she's obviously been employed there for the uh, to be the eye candy, isn't she, in the 1990s um, um, Tom Tom Cruise film? But yeah, I think she, she was yeah. picked out by Cruise, wasn't she, for her? Um, mm. role in dead calm yes oh yeah of course um but i've completely forgot about it but i do it's one of the few films as well where you you hear you you still hear her blatant australian accent and i think in later years you don't hear it she doesn't she puts on or, or her accent goes away but you can still definitely hear it in this film it's your doctor dr lewicki i don't think he's actually seen me before i was just about to go off duty Nothing's blurred, you're not seeing double. No halos around objects, flashing lights. And, and, and once again, it reminded me that obviously she is, I think she's Australian, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. she is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, in later films, you don't hear it as much, do you? Whether she's, the accent has gone over time or she, she purposely just doesn't, doesn't use it, I don't know, but it was nice to hear that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is the next part has got to be, I'll be surprised if, when we do our final summary of the film that this isn't your worst part of the film because it is, it's mine. Is when they're leaving the hospital, being discharged, and they're in their wheelchairs next to each other, and they decide <laughs> to have a wheelchair race in the hospital. Yep. It's the Fucking funniest hell. scene, which is meant to be so serious. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it, yeah, uh, yeah, it plays. It's, it is. It's, it's unfortunate, really, because you've got the dramatic music behind it. It's fair racing again. Well, I mean, Hans Zimmer does a fantastic job. I think he's so underrated in this film, how, how well the music does in this film. And, and you've got that dramatic music for, for, the, for the wheelchair chase. And it, yeah, and it'd be interesting to see 
Um, when they edited it, whether they, because it was clearly not meant for comedy, I think, with the dramatic music behind it, but it was almost like a scene akin out of Airplane or one of those comedies rather than yeah. this film, you know? Yeah, it's very, very, it's just ridiculous how they yeah, did me, that with a straight of, face. It's, it's one of the best and worst things all, all, all in one, I, th- I think, in this film, because it is that, it is that ridiculous. Yeah, and, and instantly, Cruz is got that attraction with Nicole Kidman, which is really, really unsurprising. And they're told to go to, the, because they're, they're just kicking off. You've got Rooker and um, Kip, uh, Tom Cruise just kicking off, arguing all the time. So they're told to have a, a sit down where you're going to be mediated um, by Big John. And they get higher cars because they refuse to go in the cars together, which leads to another stunt yeah. um, yes. on the beach. And when you see the making of this, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically two 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 people being being given being being told to hit the shit out of each other in their cars, basically, isn't it? Yeah, uh, when they interviewed a stuntman, yeah, uh, the one of the the first impact they have on the beach of when the driver's window smashes, it's his crash helmet goes through the side window, and that's what breaks the window, and. The, yep. the stuntman who did that said it was an absolutely fantastically great fun scene to record. And they yes. show it in slow motion of his, his actual head going through yes. the side window. I know. That doesn't look painful. Absolutely bonkers, isn't it? it yeah. It really, really is. And, and you get introduced, as we said, to Russ Wheeler, who's a, a stand-in for, for Tom Cruise. And I had a feeling that they would go down the lines and you can't, you cannot help but compare this film to Top Gun. I don't, I think just because mm. Top Gun is just such an amazing film and it goes down the same path. And you had a feeling that Tom Cruise would go through exactly the same thing with like PTSD yeah. when he's doing his races. And that's what they do. And I, I kind of, because I'd gone through like Top Gun already that before watching this several times, but it was quite predictable. I thought, it, it didn't take the shine off it, but it was no, a it was, it was predictable yeah. route and understandable, I suppose, to go down. Yeah, it was, and I mean, I mean, what what forgot what I forgot about was how rude Tom Cruise was. Well, rude, not rude, but I think nonchalant maybe. To to obviously Russ Wheeler's character, who yes, he's smarmy and everything, but he's introducing himself, and Tom Cruise doesn't really give a shit, does he? Yeah, in that scene. That's it. And when you think like many other films. And even the film Rockstar with uh, Mark Wahlberg, you have a, another stand-in who's hungry for your spot and he's going to take it. And, mm. and it doesn't help that Tom Cruise is such a dick to him. Yes. That he's obviously going to want to take his spot out of spite. And and even when, and I, I don't know why he does it, that when his relationship gets better with Nicole Kidman, um, Dr. Lewecki, that they go out in the car to him and you've got that scene where he's driving like a complete prat, risking her life. And there's no fallout to that whatsoever. There's he nearly kills her. She gets out of the car and they want nothing to do with each other. But then in the next scene or a couple of scenes later, they're back together and she's with him without yeah. any explanation. It almost feels I mean, I, mean, I, I get him. I, it's almost worth him having just having an argument with her in the car because he, he's annoyed at this guy. You, I felt it took away from his character. Yes, it made him look like a hothead. But we had that anyway with the rental car chase, didn't we? Um, yeah. And I think it really takes a, sh- a bit of a shine off his character. Yeah, he does get it back at the end. And I don't think that scene was needed at all. And it, it's a bit like a two, three minutes that you don't you don't need you don't need in the film. 
yeah. at all. You know, and, and, yeah, and you had the hothead thing moment. Obviously, you know, with that when, with as I mentioned, with the two rental cars. But what was nice about that, um, when we go when we go back to the restaurant and he said with Big John, it's almost like they made friends. It's almost like two guys. I don't like you. Have a fight, and then they go for a beer and 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 become friends. It was almost that scenario, wasn't it? And and that yeah. that that made me like, oh yeah, that's nice. They're friends again. And this made me this just felt wrong for Tom Cruise's character after that. Doing yeah, I that. completely, and I completely agree. agree. Completely agree because. There's no reason no. why they they should be like that. Like the, especially when Michael Rooker and I take it it's his wife invites um, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman to their house. Mm. There's no reason why their friendship is going to be that this close, and there's no explanation either as a, as a, like the audience as to why they're this close. And I think it's just payoff because when he faints, that Nicole Kidman needs to be there as a neurologist yes. to say yeah. that. Something's not right, but it could have been done so many ways that he just he's back in hospital. A phone call could have done this. It doesn't need the padded out forced friendship between the both, which then extends into Michael Rooker saying, I'm going to create my own racing team and I want you to drive for me. And why does he want that? It's not explained why he he sort of does in a a, a way. And this is a bit confusing, I think, because he says. He needs a car or his car slash yeah that to race at Daytona. Otherwise, he's going to lose his sponsor, his sponsors. And he mentions that he's already put down all the money on the house. And if he doesn't get that money, that was guaranteed to him before obviously the crash. He's going to potentially going to be in financial trouble. That's basically. But it's um, the film does. Uh, that's what I got from it. But the film does a really, as you mentioned, the film does a really, really terrible way of explaining that. Yeah, because it it just wouldn't work. And it, yeah. even before that, no. you've then got Tom Cruise, who is going through that stage where, and I think it's interesting that he revs uh, in a lot of the races and testing, he revs the car out and he blames yeah. it on the engine. But when um, Duval checks the uh, the rev counter, um, that it flicks on 9,000 revs. Uh, so he knows that Tom Cruise just isn't cutting the mustard. And then you've got Randy Quaid, who starts to have one team but two drivers which, which yeah. they do in formula one as you know more than anyone else that and they're kind of pitted against each other but it doesn't work the dynamics just aren't there as pointed out by robert duval are they no no because in nascar it would almost be two separate teams so you so you it would work as two separate teams so it would be almost like a ferrari against a mclaren because the pit crew are different the engineers are all going to are all going to be different the people that set up the car are different and in this case the sponsors are also different so even though he, it's almost like one guy it's almost like one guy owning arsenal and manchester united in a way you know it just it just wouldn't yeah. it just wouldn't work and and i think that's the point they're trying to make in nascar yes you do get people from harmony owning two teams but that that was what they were trying to do and it made russ wheeler out as i think more of a bad guy particularly when he almost on purpose uh, um i think after the race or a couple of races where where cole honed it and until the engine blew um that he um obviously takes tom cruise out almost on purpose which um upsets tom cruise a bit doesn't it it does yeah and i do like the response Yes, um, yes. Of when he crashed into the race is finished, he's got the checkered flag driving around, yeah. and Cruz goes into the pits loaded up with fresh tyres just for the fact that he can go out and he can crash into him. Yeah. And then you get the reaction from Randy Quaid, which oh, is absolutely priceless. 
He's destroyed both my cars. He's destroyed both my cars! You get fired! You get fired! You get fired! You hear me? I mean, even Russ Reader screams, screams, doesn't he? And then Randy Craig gets pissed <laughs> off. But what I like about this, because we mentioned the hothead moment and the hothead character of Cole Trickle. The one in the car, the bit of road rage, ridiculous. But this one, you are kind of behind him and you understand why, don't you? And this more, this hothead moment makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I like it. I think it's realistic. And again, this actually happened um, in real life. Yes. And they took it from, um, from a scene. And I think it does for once actually suit Tom Cruise's character and mm. I don't know whether it's uh, it's just frustration or it's arrogance or a mixture of both that or pride that makes Tom Cruise do that that just drive out and crash because he knows ultimately what's going to happen despite um, yeah, Harry trying to stick up for him yeah uh, yeah he, he does I, I just think it's his hot head and, and pride and the fact that that what he did what that guy did was wrong. And it goes back to the whole, like, he hit me, Robin's racing. But but I think even he realised that Russ obviously took it too far. And, and we know yeah. that because we get shots of Russ almost being a pantomime villain, like laughing and stuff as he as, as he hits Tom Cruise's character. And I did like the, albeit, albeit I don't know how Cold Trickle's character would ever know because he does it later. Russ really his little point, point to Tom Cruise in the car as he's hitting him. Yeah. Villain. Villain. Yeah. Say so you'd never know that. No, no, because Tom Cruise does the same thing, doesn't he, later on. But yeah. Yeah. But I don't understand, again, of his allegiance of when he goes around Michael Rooker's house, he's not seen him for a while, and everything has gone to shit. The house is a shithole. The the wife doesn't look happy. Would they call Tom Cruise? Would he be the person to call? And again, there's... I don't, I don't know. There's no arc to this, is there? There's no reason why. And again, Tom Cruise does what he does in most films where he can go super intense, super hyper, and yes. we get that baseball bat, and within three lines, he's got Michael Rooker out of his house into a hospital for a checkup. And for me, I felt like I didn't want it because there was quite a lot of padded out scenes in this, but I needed a bit more backstory as to how he got him out rather than just the lines that he used. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love the fact that they, they that you do see them become friends, but the, the but the problem is, it's kind of already padded out enough, and we don't. It, it feels that, as you mentioned, the middle of the film, we we watched it. That I love this film for the car racing, and we almost have a pause, which might be needed, but it feels like too big a pause between the car stuff. This whole thing, I felt that. I felt that as a kid watching it. And I felt it again, as much as I like this film, I still felt that it was a bit too much of a pause before we got to the car racing again, because that's why I love this film. And it was padded out. And if they were going to do it, once again, it almost feels like, because I know they made, as you mentioned, they made this film on the fly, that they, they're doing this that, and they've missed like three or four scenes out, you know? Yes, I thought that. And do you think, because they do discover that, um, is it Rooker's got a bleed on the brain, hasn't he? Yes. And it's getting uh, worse, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's getting worse and due to that. And as you said earlier, that's why he can't race and that's why he's going to lose his sponsorship, his farm, and he needs mm. um, crews to stand in. Do you think it would have been better if... Because Rooker doesn't really feature again in this. Um, no. And, and it's all about Tom Cruise. For me, it would have been more impactful if Rooker would have died. Oh. And, and he's doing it for his family. That would have been yeah. that would have been interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, I mean, 
yes, it is, this is more of a feel-good film than anything. It would have put a massive downer on it. But then you have, would have had the massive upper knowing that Tom Cruise has won and Rupert's family sorted, I guess. Yeah, because ultimately yeah. it's the Daytona 500. That's what he pledged, that he will win one day. At the beginning, and yeah. that it, it will be, a, as you said, it will be a massive downer. But he can yes. win that and he can then ensure that his family are provided for and because Rooker's not in anyway, so that makes no difference. So it's not like he's, no, he's there playing no. him, which is a really strange decision, especially as he's driving for his team. But mm-hmm. you're either there in a wheelchair yeah, no. or yeah. not. No, yeah, no, no, you're right. It doesn't. It, I'm, 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 I I know that Rooker's not in it again. But yeah, based on based on the, the conversation you had with Tom Cruise, it almost doesn't feel right that we don't see him again. And it, yeah, it probably would have made the film and it certainly would have made I think Russ Wheeler more of a villain because he's the one that's stopping Tom Cruise potentially winning Daytona and it would have meant that race meant even more now and it wouldn't have been just about Tom Cruise winning Daytona he's doing it for another reason as well yeah yeah I, I think it it would have worked out well and as you say it would have and rightly so it would have made um, Wheeler the baddie which would have been good because Otherwise, it's just mm. Tom Cruise against himself on the track because there aren't any other drivers who are no. baddies in this to a certain degree, are they? No, no, not really. No, no, because Rowdy's now sort of like a good guy, but not sort of, but he's kind of out of the way. And Russ really is obviously the, the, the new bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It I mean, I guess when you look at the film as a whole, it has such a simple storyline. But it's it's almost a bunch of connected story, like a bunch of interconnected things. It's almost like the year in the life of a NASCAR driver, mm. you know, rather than a, a, a full on storyline about. And, and that the only main plot line running through, really, let's be honest, is um, Tom Cruise at the beginning wants to win Daytona. And then he does right at the end. And it's about his journey to winning Daytona. Yeah, I guess and you are yeah. limited to a certain degree of what you can do on the track that is feasible and realistic that NASCAR fans wouldn't turn around and say, uh, uh, that's nonsense. That wouldn't happen. Cause I should imagine mm. anyone in the profession who watches different things that like, I don't know, like, like police watching police things on TV, when things are dramatized to a certain extent, you'd lose interest and say, well, that wouldn't happen. It's nonsense. And you just switch off that you'd run the risk with racing fans and formula one fans as well if they did something like put something in um, Wheeler's car that made him fail or Tom Cruise's car. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I feel the race is a bit underwhelming, to be honest. The final um, race is underwhelming. I think the end isn't, um, I think right at the end, but yeah, I think compared to Cole's first victory. Yes. I think right for me, right, right up until the, probably the last minute or two, it is because it, for me, it only gets really, really exciting when Tom Cruise, when Ross Wheeler blocks Tom Cruise in the pits, um, um, and then and then I think Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise nearly misses, you know, he has to go out and he's up against it right at the end. I think he needs to get out before the pace car goes down, you know, if I remember, yeah, yeah, he's um because. He smashes into the back of him and he affects like the pedals on his car, doesn't he? Yes, coming in reverse, yeah. So, yeah, and I was worried for a minute when Tom Cruise span round. What really, really worried me, because I couldn't remember this film, was that he was going to finish the race in reverse like cars, like Lightning <laughs> oh, McQueen. Oh, God, no. no. Yeah. God, thank God that didn't happen. 
Because he um, was he is going I'm, backwards, isn't he? When he goes into yeah, the yeah. pits. And I thought, oh, please don't do the whole fucking no, <laughs> Daytona 500 in reverse and win. <laughs> no, that, that, I mean, yeah, as we mentioned, you know, like, honour, honour, honouring, obviously, the person that wrote the book or the sport you're covering, that would have been a middle finger, I think, to every NASCAR fan going, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, I, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Up until the end, I, I, I get you. But up, up until the end, the last 50 seconds or whatever, of when we win, the last few moments I thought were really good, especially when uh, Russ really is like, oh, I was going to the outside. And obviously he dummies him and goes to the inside and and, and wins. That was, a, that was a really nice moment. Yeah. Um, and I, I do like, as in real life, um, when I did watch Formula One, that the pits are, uh, are all, always really interesting. And again, like the tyres, I think the they're won and lost in the pits, especially how quick like McLaren and Ferrari and Red Bull do their pit stop. It's fucking incredible. It's a, it's like an operation, isn't it? It's like surgery. And when and Tom Cruise gets thing. into the pits and that you've got the trail of cars coming round, I found that exciting because that was real life to me. That, that is what happens in Formula One. And if you can get out like in front of the pace car and catch up or in front of the leader and you've got on, you're on new tyres, I mean, you've got it. You've got that advantage. And that's what this was like. And I thought that was really, really good. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I did too. And the way, the way, the way it wins it with the music and, and that, that was brilliant. But I think oh, the score one of my is favorite, great. Yeah, right. Yeah. The Hans Zimmer score. I mean, I mean, I, I don't think it, get, it, get, it gets enough credit because I think you, you watch that film without the score. It's a completely different film. Um, I think Hans Zimmer, he, he wasn't even a massive fan initially, I think, of this um. Of, of of the music of this music and until later i mean this is the guy that's done i, I mean what is it true romance he did the music to that um batman because uh, there's loads of other stuff oh, see the dark knight trilogy yeah um but what i think my favorite moment um at, at the end is not necessarily yes cole winning not the shots of cole winning it's when he goes up to harry and harry's silent he's not really celebrating with the others yeah and he's i think he's just in amazement that that, that, that they've won Harry, say something, will you? Uh, I really can't. You didn't know how this thing was going to turn out, did you? It's like you said, it's, uh... There's nothing you can't do in a race car. <laughs> we won. We won. Now, can you walk? Or am I going to have to carry you? And... I think the last, I really, really like that last shot when he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to get an ice cream, but um, you know, we're going to go to Victory Road and then I'll race you. And the, and you, you see the, obviously the Tom Cruise running. We need that. We need that in the film, don't we? Fastest <laughs> guy running ever. Yeah. He's improved I mean, his um, running now, isn't he? He's improved he his improved style, his thankfully. Running. Yes. I, I, to be fair, you're right. I was slightly disappointed. We didn't get Mission Impossible less running, but it, yeah. you know, it had to start somewhere. And yeah, and I really liked though, that, that last, 40, 50 seconds he has, obviously, with, with, with Harry again, because that's the promise he made. You know, I'm with Daytona and I won't make you look stupid, trust me. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was such a nice moment. And by now, the chemistry between these two is believable. It's it's just so good. And yeah. Duval is just such a likeable character in this. I think it's fantastic. It really is. I mean, Tom Cruise's running is awful. He has clearly worked on his running. <laughs> but yes, he yeah. has. And it, it is just great, and yeah, and that's the end of the film. I mean, it it's uh, that's it. 
very very simple i mean we'll go straight to the scores i mean do you want to go first do you want, do you want me to go first yeah i'll go i'll go, I'll go first i'm gonna get four 4.5 out of five i was thinking wow. about four yeah i love it it's slightly biased i know um the extra point the extra half point though the reason it gets so high is because i love the score so much and i think it's un, it's, it's underappreciated it doesn't get a full five it's by far a perfect film best bits for me and most of the car bits are brilliant worst bits is, is that bit in the middle it feels padded out. I don't want to say it's still, the film stalls and pauses so much because at no point did I lose interest. It's just lo- looking back at it, I think there's many things they could have done more efficiently and better. And uh, even with you saying, obviously, with um, well, you know, one of the main characters passing away and dying as a result of that, I think I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it. But I think that would have made the film so much more interesting and would have made that last race almost like a, a knife edge. Mm. Yeah, so for four and a half out of five for me. Wow, that's that's interesting. And would you recommend this to anyone or just motorsports fans? No, I, I think I think mostly anyone. If they, if you haven't watched it, I think you'll enjoy it. If you like things like Top Gun, you want a pop conflict where you don't have to think too much. I think you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it, and you have that feel good moment at the end. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'd, I'd pretty much recommend this to um, to anyone. I mean, I mean, when I when I watched it, apart from I think I had to pull, I had to move over the the stripper scene. But I watched it with uh, I think um, Michelle, my other half, and obviously uh, my daughter, and um, that's why we fast forwarded the stripper bit. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, but they both really enjoyed it. And my daughter went, oh, I thought she even said when I started it, oh, daddy, you're so wrong. I thought this was going to be a boring car film, and I really liked it. That's what she said. Wow, so, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, I started off watching this with uh adele and the youngest and you're on your own at the end yeah 40 minutes i was on my own (laughs) oh no it's interesting isn't it but yeah yeah it's really really weird but i'll give you this film and it it, it's kind of I, i feel like i'm being persuaded by having watched the making of it but on the film alone i'd give it a three and a half out of five yeah, that's fair news. I understand. And just because there's some padded out bits, and I think I wasn't given enough as the audience an explanation as to why things happened. Uh, and I wanted to know, mm. for example, the, um, when you see uh, Buck Beth, um, Betherton or Bretherton, his dad dying, they brought that up, as you said, twice, but it didn't come to anything whatsoever. There wasn't any no. payoff. The relationship between Tom Cruise and Michael Rooker, um, that felt false to me and French for convenience as a plot driver for his um, his brain clot or his blood clot in his brain. Yes. But it's the car scenes were amazing. Really, really good. I love Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, for me, is one of the very few actors now around who I'll go and watch a film just because he's in it. There aren't many well, yeah, actors it's just, yeah. No, it's, it's strange, it's isn't it? You say that because yeah, I, I was having a similar conversation with someone, albeit controversial, Michael Jackson, being I think he's one of the last few superstars. Whether you liked him or not, um, everyone was interested in what he's doing. And I know even with Tom Cruise, he's still a reason. He still sells a film. And I think a lot of up and coming actors, yeah, I, I guess Robert Downey Jr. might be a, might be might, might be one possibly now as well. Um, but but some of them are. But there, there's a See, lot I don't think Downey Jr. is. I'm one of the he, biggest Iron Man fans around. Take him out of Iron Man, 
what does he what does he do? Like, he came out of Iron Man, did Doctor Doolittle, bombed absolute shit. Yeah, but shot. I wanted I wanted to watch Doctor Doolittle because he was in it. But yes, it wasn't the best film, was it? In the in the end. Yeah. yeah Put him back in it. So I mean Chris yeah. Evans. Is his career ever gonna reach the pinnacle of No, I think you're right. I think you're right. So I think, it's, yeah. it's it's hard, but Tom Cruise I mean, there was no surprise that he, he got in this car and did a fantastic time and went around the track first time and did 180 miles an hour around the um, the oval track. I mean, it's just incredible. The guy puts his heart and soul into everything he does to make it believable. And I know he does get knocked for his beliefs in Scientology, but who cares about that? It's what's on the screen and what entertainment he provides is mm. is what I'm interested in. And it is so diverse. When he did Rock of Ages, which is another favourite of mine, which I watch every month, he did his own singing in that. And when he sung one of the Def Leppard songs, they were touring in Los Angeles and they came on set to watch him um, sing the song on stage. And even they said they were so surprised of just how good that Tom Cruise was um, singing live in Rock of Ages. Well, if that's a 2012 film, it's absolutely brilliant the guy can turn his hand to anything flying a helicopter for um mission impossible it, it's he's oh, just I brilliant i think he's one of the very Lateral. few entertainers that are around these days that what a, yeah draw a crowd possibly only of a certain age of our age but will still draw a crowd and i, I think it's a shame when they do go but yeah i, I like the film i think with anyone else if you put i don't know nicholas cage in as tom cruise then I think you'd lose it and it wouldn't be the same. I don't think anyone else could have that bond with Robert Duval. No. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe they could. I don't know. But I don't, I I think, don't, know, I don't think so. I mean, I mean Kate did have a night gone 60. He did have that bond, I guess, with Robert Duval. But that wasn't a racing film. That's completely different. And he was there because, yeah, for different reasons. So I, I think, no, I think you're right. I, th- I, I think you take Tom Cruise because he is, yeah, you're right. He is cinema magic almost isn't it and i think he's still he's and, he, and he's one of the few that still has that and he's one of the few names that you can put on a poster and people will watch and i think now we're obviously still in the year of superhero films and, and different things sell or star wars or big reboots or big budget franchises um that yeah. sell and it's not and it's not names i think tom cruise is still potentially one of those names but he has done a few duffers like i think the mummy one oh. years back, wasn't wasn't too great but Oh, 100%. Yeah. That was a terrible film. Uh, but oh, and God, again, yeah, no, no. you've got people like Robert De Niro, uh, who obviously is one of the best actors ever, but he's gone now into a very strange direction of doing adverts, doing like that Dirty Grandpa yes. or whatever it was, and some really weird choices. Uh, and and mm. it's strange the direction they go in. I mean, Hugh Jackman, another one, Wolverine, but he's done so well coming out of Wolverine, and even um Les Mis and the greatest showman things like that he's kind of managed to turn his hand to different things so th- i think these kind of actors for kind of really few and far between of mm. of kind of being an appeal or being a draw at the cinema i mean even schwarzenegger now isn't a draw uh, of at the cinema but sylvester I, do, stallone think... isn't i don't no, think and so, yeah. i think i'd argue that stallone might be more than schwarzenegger I do think he picks his films a bit more, a bit carefully. Uh, maybe not so recently in the last couple of years, but I mean, because he did the Rocky Balboa, which was really good. He did, he done the the two Rambo's, and I do think he picks his films more carefully. I mean, because and the reason why I'm saying that compared to Schwarzenegger is the, the question I'm going to ask you is: 
has Schwarzenegger's franchise, has he hurt himself because of all those Terminator reboots for the reviews we did? Has that hurt the Schwarzenegger brand, do you think? See, I don't think it has because they're the only films no? that he can really do at the moment. Um, okay. And I think he's like a, he's more of a, I like him, don't get me wrong, he's more of a one-trick pony. And But Sylvester Sloan, again, he'll do the Rocky, do the Rambos. If, if you put him in another role... To a certain generation, he's just an old bastard who... Who's he? He's just a freak-looking <laughs> guy. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And that's it. They maybe. don't know him. So it, it's really strange. And But I mean, another one who I love, Keanu Reeves, He don't, he's not frightened to go off track and do these uh, like movie projects and just put his name to them, just like um, Joaquin Phoenix as well. He's an amazing yeah. actor, but he'll sign up um, for... For anything, it's not mainstream theatre and things like that. You know, he's a really another credible actor. Yeah, but is that because they're also in a position to sign up with what they want to? Because I imagine Keanu Reeves, uh, Whacking Phoenix, I don't know so much, but definitely Keanu, they've been obviously very careful with their money as well. Mm. I mean, has like a Robert De Niro spanked all his money away? Hopefully not. And that's why he's doing these medical, almost, you know, films uh, that he's forced himself into, into a position because, I don't know, paying off wives, not to say Robert De Niro, but some Hollywood actors have got, I've paying off three wives, got all this child, I, I yeah. need the money. But where other actors that have been a bit more savvy and savvy with investments, they're in a position to choose their films more wisely. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. It'd be really sad if that is the case, especially with someone like yes, De Niro. It but yeah, it'd be, it'd it be really, really sad. Have, just quickly, before we go, have you seen um, The Batman? No, I was, no, I might be watching it this Friday or Monday. Have you seen it? Yes, I saw it a couple of days ago. And I need to go and see it again. Um, how many stars would you give it right now uh, based on the first few and I know that's been changed I'm still it won't stop me watching it I just want to get what you think without that spoiling it oh, that's, no I won't, I'd never spoil it God um, I'd give it um, I'd probably give it three and a half stars I would have thought initially to start with uh, oh, I, I okay. think it will it will go up with another viewing definitely Robert Pattinson is really really good as Batman, really good. So I tell you what, if, if very impressed, um, honestly. I'm so glad you said that because I did have I did have <laughs> I had my concerns, but when I watched the trailer, they were abated, but they were still there in the background. If that makes sense, you know. Um, yeah. So that's really it, good. The the majority, the only thing I didn't like about the film is about ninety percent of it is filmed in the dark, either at night or in a dark or in a house where the lights aren't really turned on. And it, it is very dark. It is, incre- <laughs> it is incredibly moody, um, but it shows a different aspect, a different side of Batman. And oh, it's really, really interesting, and that, which is why I need to see it again, because there's a lot that I need to take in. But it's really good. I really enjoyed it. And apart from The Dark Knight, I've like the trilogy, I've not been a massive fan. Obviously, the 66, love it. But... Um, cause it's no, so you never like the Keaton stuff, it, but uh, no, I couldn't stand it. Uh, any of that stuff that I didn't like, I found it too comic booky, too it was just shocking. I really don't like it, but this I think is brilliant. And yeah, and, uh, Robert Pattinson, it, if they keep him and they get good writers, good directors, it's gonna be 
a really, really good franchise because I thought it was a fantastic Bruce Wayne. Really, really good. Oh, brilliant. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, yeah. I'm wondering. I know what we're obviously doing next, what, we, what you suggested, but I do, I do think if if another of us, maybe like Neil or Paul, probably more Neil, I'd imagine, would go. Yeah. Watch that. I, I, I do reckon if we can, if we can all go watch it within the next month, I definitely think maybe with that, that's one for a, for like a review because we don't often do new films that haven't even come to rent. Yeah. I think the most recent one we done was Ghostbusters, wasn't it? Afterlife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll be looked at seeing it again probably this weekend. So, uh, yeah. Oh, nice. It's a, it's a 15, isn't it? Which is good, yes, I guess. It for is, about yeah. yeah, just short of three hours long. I think it's two hours 56, I think. So. Oh, that is intense. Yeah, it's good. It's good. But, yeah. So, that is it. That is our review of Days of Thunder. I hope everyone enjoyed that. Just before we go, everyone, just please take time. Once you listen to this podcast, if you're listening on iTunes, do leave us some feedback. Um, leave us if you like it five stars and just put a review on on spotify as well just leave us um, stars on there and just put a review down and subscribe to our youtube channel it's the film real cast it's the same uh, red logo for everything and we'd be really really grateful but we'll be back next week if you hang around to the end of the podcast i will announce what we are doing next james have you got anything to add before we go no 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 see you later guys and uh, um, see you see you next time Excellent stuff. Take care, guys. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to our review of Days of Thunder. Join us next week where we review the first of all three Expendables films. Me